This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. A- Wait, a- I said that wrong. Oh. <laughs> you just you said don't even know where you're from. <laughs> yeah, this Featherstone. I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Identity crisis. Right, not staying in. But anyways, it's AKA Feathers. Let's get rolling. <laughs> Megan, you're obviously low. You didn't eat your carbs this morning or something. What's going on with your brain? Oh, actually, that's a really good point. No, I anytime I do a workout, like a hard workout, I feel dumb for a while afterwards. I don't think it's carb related. Like I've eaten plenty. I've had two snacks, a full breakfast, fuel before, but I do. I feel kind of dumb. So but it's maybe like that's dumb and problem. happy. I love that feeling. Yeah. It's like you're content. Yeah. You're happy. You're stupid. It, I think that we've got it yeah. wrong. This pursuit of knowledge sucks. It's being. I know. The more you know is not always better. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Be dumb and happy, people. All right, cool. Just, wait, just in case you don't know, it's Megan Featherston from Featherston Nutrition. Featherstone Nutrition. No, you said it wrong too. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> we can can't po- even get it right. How are you going to expect you, other people to get it right? Yeah. Use the Google machine. Anyway, uh, AKA Feathers, because her name is also Mahagan. And we've got Megan here in Baltimore at the studio. So. We just call her Feathers, and she's she also you have a feathery appearance. Oh, I'm gonna take that as a compliment, but I don't know you what should. it means. Uh, I'm not sure either. But in case anyone is confused as to what's going on, you're listening to Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things nutrition and hydration and how it affects performance. And before we dive into today's topic, we are super pumped. Pumped to tell you about a Boston Marathon shakeout run that we are hosting. With ASICs. Um, on April 17th, so that's the Sunday before the Monday Marathon. It'll be 8.30 a.m. Right before packet pickup. At the ASICs uh, brand house, which is 299 Newberry Street. All of the details um, I'll put in the show notes, and you can RSVP. Megan, what are we going to have there to eat? bagels on bagels on bagels and not just that there'll be some coffee and the great thing is you get to do a shakeout run with us which i'm really excited about i'm gonna feel so fresh for monday (laughs) it's gonna be amazing (laughs) i am so pumped you guys i mean you know a question i always get from you guys is like what about those miles i'm running right before the marathon like do i need to eat extra fuel we got you covered we're carb loading We're going to go run a few miles. We're going to come back. We're going to eat it all back in bagels, restock all those stores, like talk a little about everything carbs. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Plus, like just hanging and chilling and getting to meet people is fun. And it's really close to packet pickup. So after the run, you can, you know, wipe yourself off if you want or go over there a little bit sweaty, grab your stuff and be ready for Monday and know that, man, you're going to be feeling good. My worst nightmare is if we run out of bagels. So you guys, if you want to come, make sure you RSVP so we make sure we have enough bagels for everyone. Very important. Yes. Yes. So um, if you haven't RSVP'd, definitely do so. Like I said, I will include a link in the show notes. You can also head over to 
uh, Megan Featherston's Instagram or Believe in the Run's Instagram and find all the details by scrolling over there. All right. Today's episode is all about food allergies, sensitivities, intolerances, and a little test we took called Everly Well. So Megan, kick this one off for us. So every time I get a new client, I'm like, ah, we talk a lot about food. And then I'm like, hey, is there anything you don't eat or you avoid or you don't tolerate? And there's always a laundry list of all the things. And I was thinking lately because... It is a unicorn, Boston pun intended, when somebody's like, I eat it all. I eat everything. I'm always like, wait, what? There's nothing you don't eat? There's nothing you don't tolerate? Because I feel like we're in this like place that everybody has foods that don't agree with them. And I'm, I, you know, I have foods I avoid because I don't, you know, they don't agree with me. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I feel like we're like starting towards this movement of like, we all have foods that we don't tolerate. We all have foods that are bad for us, you know. And I think people are unnecessarily taking some foods out of their diet that maybe they don't need to. Um, and I think there's products out there kind of perpetuating some of these things. So I was like, you know what, we should probably talk about this. This is a really good um, topic for us to, to chat through and get out there. I mean, I get it. I understand that some people actually do have allergic reactions to food and stuff like that. But for the most part, I think this is totally bananas and total, I'm going to use the French word bullshit, that people are, are avoiding these foods. Like when I see someone who's like, I'm gluten free because I need to be gluten free. And I'm like, why did you get tested for it? Do you know? No, but my hair grows faster if I don't eat it. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you even measure your hair growing faster? Your fingernails growing faster? Like, it seems like there's a lot of voodoo. As much as there's misinformation about everything else in the nutrition space, it seems like this is like a high craziness. Like I think people hear something and they're like, I'm, I can't eat tuna anymore because the mercury levels are too high. And Tell me, Feathers, am I insane? Are people this sensitive nowadays? Or is it because we're eating too much processed food? Like what's going on? So it's a super hot topic because I think um – all of a sudden we have started to equate every ailment with a food that we've eaten. And it's not always that cut and dry, right? I mean, you know this is what I do for a living. If there's a food that is causing someone an ailment, get it out of your diet, right? Like we don't need that. But I think the the science is a little bit muddy at best um, between the cause and effect. My brother got chicken pox after eating a banana nut ice cream or something like that. So for the rest of his life, he's He's convinced that banana nut ice cream causes illness. So that's off his, his yeah. menu. There you go. So that's exactly a very good um, example. <laughs> I think you can only get chicken pox once, but <laughs> yeah, 100% accurate. Apparently banana nut ice cream will change that for you. I mean, what a crappy yeah. flavor. At least it's a good flavor to get Right, that's of. what I was thinking. You know, it's like it's not chocolate chip. Yeah, you can live without banana nut ice cream. Yeah, and and you know, I I think there's just a lot of correlations or causations that are trying to be drawn between a symptom and food that is maybe not healthy for us in the long run, right? It's very restrictive. Um, so you know, I think it's important to take a step back and kind of look at like what is going on with our bodies and reacting to food. And there's you know, food allergies. There's food intolerances and then there's this new realm of food sensitivities so when we really look at like from a science perspective what's happening in each of those buckets you know if we have a food allergy that's life-threatening that's a you know provoking our immune system to attack because it's thinking that there's you know a foreign invader right so i think a really good example we're all very familiar with is like a peanut allergy 
you know, most kids can't even take peanut butter to school because that's how allergic some children are if they're even in a room with peanut butter. How did this happen? We need an allergist on for that. I don't when, know. <laughs> when I when I was growing up back in the days of covered wagons, everybody loved peanuts. Even even like if a kid was sensitive to peanuts, you're like, he's not going to make it because um, we're just going to keep eating peanuts. It might be it. Yeah. But but the, the crazy thing to me is you also are seeing, I, I don't know if it falls in the same stuff, but people starting to post like, you know how you do your post where it has these foods will help with iron consumption or mm-hmm. helping iron absorb in your system. These foods and hinder it. You also have people posting these foods will cause inflammation in your system. These mm-hmm. foods will not. Is there people taking that information and saying they have an intolerance towards the food mm-hmm. because they just don't want to feel, you know, uh, inflammation or they don't want to do this? It's not that they're intolerant of it. They're just... That's the effect. And there's reasons why different foods cause these things that may sound not beneficial, but perhaps are for your system. Because if all we did to absorb iron was drink orange juice and take vitamin C, we probably get, you know, we wouldn't get scurvy, but we would definitely be missing out on the things that give us iron, like your red meats and your your, your right. other green leafy vegetables and all that stuff. So I don't know. That's right. I get confused. Right. And I think there is a lot of confusing information out there on the Internet, truthfully, when it comes to that. And, you know, like we're saying, like food allergies are a whole different bucket. Those are very, very serious. Right. But when we look at how many common allergies there are, so like of 90 percent of people who have actual food allergies, it's milk, eggs, peanuts, soy, wheat tree nuts, fish, and shellfish, right? That's a very limited list of foods that most people are have some sort of like life-threatening reaction to that need an EpiPen, that type of stuff. You can, de- you can develop it later in life. Is that true? Mm-hmm. True. Yep. W- what happens? Your body just says, no more of this. I'm done with this. I don't think they know for sure why that, why that happens or why it's triggered at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously they have some pretty good diagnostic tests for this. You know, we specifically look at something in our blood called IgE, which is a type of antibody that our body puts out that, you know, if that reacts or is, a, you know, a certain number, it's like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely allergic to peanuts, right? It's a pretty, pretty close, you know, gold standard, if you will. They can also do skin prick tests and they look and they see like how much your skin raises up when they put a little drop of that type of food, you know, underneath your skin. They're still not all foolproof, really. I mean, there, there is errors within these types of measurements, but for the most part, it's pretty darn accurate. And we can, you know, specifically pull out this type of antibody to know, you know, how our body is responding and whether we do have a true allergy to this food or not. So what is the difference between an allergy and an intolerance? So that's true. That's the other thing. So really the only intolerance that's like diagnostic is a lactose intolerance. So really that's more so like your body's not allergic to something. It's not mounting an immune response to something. It just doesn't tolerate it when it tries to digest it. So for example, lactose intolerance means you don't produce enough of the enzyme lactase that you need to break down and digest the sugar and milk lactose. So it's very common. There's a lot of people in the United States that, that have it. It's very um, driven by you know ethnicity, right? We see that a lot of East Asians, West Africans, Jewish, Greeks, you know, a lot of different people. Have, you just named everybody. Are more prone, <laughs> right? That was everybody. <laughs> the, mutt, the only so people you left out were like Northern Europeans. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's probably, truthfully, in my book, that's one of the only food intolerances. Like, some people will say they're gluten intolerant or, you know, something else. But this is really the only one that we have diagnostic criteria to. So then everything else just kind of falls into this, like, food, you know, sensitivity bucket that, that people are, the buzzword is around right now. Yeah, why do I feel like, why is this new? Like, why is all of a sudden we have this sensitivity? Is this because I feel of like our marketing? Is like, this marketing or is this increased testing? They can sell you gluten-free snacks now. Right. Everything. You know, I can, I can understand this because I get migraines. I have a finicky gut. My stomach hurts when I eat certain things. And sometimes I can't figure out what the heck it is. You know what I mean? So those are, you know, more of those stomach ailments and headaches. Those are two things that are very common for people to trigger like, oh, it's food. Oh, it's food. Figure out what your food sensitivities are and get those under control. And you'll never have a headache. You'll never have a stomach ache. And so I think when people don't feel good, when something hurts, when it's keeping them out of their daily life, they want to try to fix it. And I think we rightfully unso maybe gravitate towards oh it's food I can fix this where you know maybe it's not maybe it's just life it's stress it's lack of sleep it's dehydration it has nothing to do with the food that we ate Um, but I think people want answers they want help so now we have these products out there that they're selling to people that are claiming to be the answer to this it's going to help you identify what are your food sensitivities and tell you what to do to to identify them and you feel good when you eat this stuff because they're saying, hey, this is good for you. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling, did I say that without stuttering? Mm-hmm. A self-fulfilling prophecy because they're saying, hey, you probably don't like gluten. Eat these bag of gluten-free chips <laughs> and you'll be fine. You eat it and you're like, yeah, I may feel a little bloated because I ate a whole bag of chips, but at least it didn't have gluten in it. Right. I feel better than the gluten chips. Yeah, it is. There's a huge piece in our health and mental wellness and our thoughts. We know that as runners. Our thoughts dictate so much of our actions and our feelings. I mean, think about that. Like as soon as your mental game slips in a marathon, you're in the gutter, you know. Same thing with food, right? You know, like if we've convinced ourselves we can't eat something, of course it's going to make us sick when we eat it. Like it's psychological, you know, and it's really hard to separate, you know, some of that. So... I know that this food sensitivity is like a big topic right now, but I wasn't actually that familiar with this Everly Well test, although now it's in my newsfeed every single day. Um, now it's going to be mine because my phone probably definitely heard you say it. Get ready. They're and, coming for yeah. you. <laughs> and so they test like 96, I think it is, um, uh-huh. foods for, okay, so explain this. They, they test 96 foods for IgG reactivity. What is that? Right. So that's why I went into the IgE for allergies, right? They're different antibodies that our body produces. So this is a totally different thing, right? It's not looking at allergies. It's looking at IgG, which is an antibody that our body produces. And really interestingly, like if you look at some of the larger organizations, like some of the National Allergy Associations and the Canadian one, I forget what its name was, none of them recommend this. Like, they all say that this science is not confirmed. Um uh, that they're very concerned that we're using food-specific, you know, IgG testing to identify food se- sensitivities because a lot of people believe that we produce these IgG antibodies in response to exposure to a food, not necessarily intolerance to a food, which, spoiler alert, Megan and I both tried this, and I actually have a lot of thoughts on my results and that thought too, right? So if you haven't eaten something, you're not going to react to it. Whereas if you've eaten something more, you're going to react to it more. So perhaps this literally is just like, oh, hey, you eat eggs versus, oh, hey, you shouldn't be eating eggs, which is how it's being sold. This just blew my mind because right before this (laughs) test, I was like, 
I I ate a bunch, like it was, so over the weekends, I like always after my long runs have like a bagel and eggs and usually egg whites. And so I probably had like six egg whites the two days leading up before I took this test. And what is the only thing that came back as mild sensitivity was egg whites. Moderate, right? Yeah, or moderate. Is this just because I just ate a shit ton of egg whites the two days before? The Canadian Society of Allergy and Clinical Immunology would agree with you. <laughs> That's where I'm pulling these. Yeah. Okay. So this, um, what we, what would be really interesting is if we cha- altered our diet from what's typical and then retook this test. Like just ate peanut butter for 100%. a week. Yeah. I think we need to do this. Yeah. Right. Ooh. That's actually a really good idea because so it was saying that it should react to anything you've eaten in the past four to six weeks. So we'd have to think of like, what could we eat for four to six weeks? Um, Ooh, okay. That's that would get. I mean, that's like a commitment, but um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And then, so, you know, jumping into kind of all these things that they test. So as Meg said, she had a moderate reactivity to egg whites. So they rank them from high reactivity, moderate, and mild. And then they recommend that you eliminate any of your reactivity, obviously starting with the highest and moderate, but then also the milds, for 30 days. They want you to eliminate these foods from your diet. And then they want you to add back one at a time and wait two to four days mm. because the claim is that with food I- food insensitivities that it takes longer, maybe up to 72 hours, for your body to react negatively to a certain type of food. So, I mean, this is a massive commitment. I mean, Meg, I think you had – how many foods did you have? I had like 36 foods that I would have to eliminate for – 32, excuse me. Yeah, um, I had 14. 15 yeah. if you so, include I mean, the moderate, yeah. I mean, that could take you like half a year to, to try to get through some of these Grape things. Leaf. Um, but here's <laughs> but here's the here's where these this didn't actually line up with things you have eaten in the past four to six. I uh-huh. hate oysters, will not touch oysters, have not eaten an oyster. And it showed up in my mild reactivity. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of like cross reactivity. Yeah, you had lima beans in yours, too. Do you? Eat you got to stop eating spelt, Meg. It, like I never eat rye. That's just so <laughs> one of the one of the things I did see that they they made a note about was like if you don't recognize something and you don't think you've eaten this in the past however long, um, because we eat so much, I guess processed food and there's uh, there's ingredients in in some of the food that maybe you just didn't realize was right. It's possible. Um, <laughs> okay, so I the stuff that came back. Well, first of all, I don't that I know of have like any sensitivity or reaction to foods. Like I've never been like, I know when I eat that, I don't feel well. I'm, I guess one of those unicorns you were talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned earlier that you have a little bit of a sensitive gut. So the results that you saw, did they make sense? Like do those things align with what upset your stomach? Not at all. Not at all. Like not even close. And you know, there's certain nuts that, that bother me. It's actually more of like, you guys are going to just know way too much about me now. But like I get like um, swelling and tingling in like my mouth and my tongue when I eat certain nuts, which they say is a mild allergy. Um, so I avoid them all. So one is walnuts. It's the absolute worst. That's why you never see me putting walnuts in my recipes because I they really, really bother me. But you guys can put them in because they're really It's a healthy very healthy food. nut. But yeah. it is the healthiest, actually. Highest in omega-3. But anyways, um, it wasn't on here anywhere. Which makes sense because I haven't eaten them in the past four to six weeks because oh. they bother me. So 
that gets me on this tirade of, so is this showing us anything meaningful, right? Like if the foods that bother you aren't triggered on here because you're already avoiding them anyways, and now it's triggering all these foods that like maybe you're actually okay with because I listened to a webinar because I'm like, I want to learn more about like what they're telling people to do, you know, with these results. And some of the highlighted pieces that I actually wrote down because I was like, you're kidding me when I heard some of these things was your symptoms may be unrelated to food altogether. Like, right, just like we were saying before. Absolutely. How do you differentiate if a symptom is from a food or something else, right? Like, oh, I had a headache when I added a food back. I was also dehydrated. You know, like, how do you how do you pin that on food? Um, And they also said, if you know, you can eat a food that shows is highly reactive, avoid this advice and focus on others. So again, they're telling you, like, our test might not actually be right. So it's up to you if you want to cut these out. Like, what's the point? You know, that's the thing. I think Um, that naturally, you're going to avoid Like, you know to avoid certain things. Like you just said, walnuts mm-hmm. don't sit well with you, so you don't eat them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're an intelligent animal. Um, but on your list, there was some crazy stuff like mackerel, yogurt. I know you eat yogurt. And is sheep's, is yeah. sheep's cheese different than goat's cheese? I don't know what sheep cheese is. Oh, yeah. Wait, aren't sheep baby? No, sheep are different than goats. Sorry, that was a really ignorant comment. <laughs> I was like, wait, isn't a sheep a goat? No, yeah, because you also not, have man. goat milk on your. You can't have goat milk. Right, can, yeah. Key no, lime. I, mean, I don't eat those much. I can live a lifetime without any key lime. I'm good with that. Sorry. Mozzarella, peanuts, that's I mean, peanuts a Peanuts are one that I absolutely eat. I don't. I don't but know. I'm guessing you eat a lot of yogurt. Oh, yeah, daily. Yeah. And Which it, might be it, why it, it showed it, up on there, right? Yeah, but <laughs> if, if you were having a bad reaction to it, yeah. like. You'd stop eating it. The only thing that I can say that I don't do that with is I used to be able to eat hot peppers all day long and like habaneros, all that stuff. And I know they're going to mess me up, but I still eat them. And I actually think maybe it's good for me. (laughs) You know, I mean, it makes you tougher. Yeah, exactly. Girls hair in your chest. The the thing about this that I didn't love was... Like I said, I don't, I never really felt like I had many food sensitivities, but I, you know, I love the data. So I want to be like, oh, is there something I should be avoiding? And then when this mm-hmm. came up, I'm like, I, I eat this all the time. I I don't feel bad when I eat this. And like, I immediately texted you because I was like, do I need to cut this out of my <laughs> diet? And if I didn't have you on speed dial and I'm just a normal person, I'm going to be like, I have to stop eating this food that I love for no mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that's my concern is we're going to, you know, on for, for no reason at all, we're going to be restricting certain foods that are really healthy for us and really good for us. Right. There's already so much food fear out there. And now all of a sudden we have this list of anywhere from 14 to 32 foods of, wait, should you really be eating this? Um, and stuff whereas, that makes you, know, you feel good. Like, right. Like, can right. you imagine going to get a salad and you're sitting, I don't know, Napa Valley enjoying a Chianti or something on a porch in the sunshine and they bring out your salad and it's got sheep's cheese on it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I can't have that. And they're can't like, ma'am, do you realize it's just lettuce and tomato without the sheep's cheese? And you're like, oh, I'll have that. Like, like that's not enjoyable. Sad life. Yeah. Very sad life. Yeah. And I think to you know really hit it home is there's no scientific data to support this, you know, and and that's why it's like I don't want people restricting their diet when they don't need to and avoiding a million different things when they don't need to. 
This episode of Fuel for the Soul is sponsored by Inside Tracker. We all use Inside Tracker to check our general health through training and to make sure we're set up for success come race day. Thomas, give everyone a little more information about Inside Tracker. All right. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create a science backed plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. You can learn more about the product by going to insidetracker.com. And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 20% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. So what's the purpose behind Everly Well then if it's not scientific and it seems like the results are kind of, I, I want to say, it, not misleading, but certainly up for interpretation, like especially mm-hmm. when you have- perfect all these things um what what is the use of this like that see that's the concern and i have the reason this is on my radar is i've had lots of clients come to me who have had this done and they'll bring it to our first conversation and talk to me about it and uh, most of them have a lot of gi issues and can't seem to figure it out and thought this was like the best you know route to go and the one thing that like distills faith in humanity and runners for me is every single one of them, even though they were having crazy issues and clearly sought out this product, came to me and were like, Megan, I don't believe this. Like no one was actually doing the full 30 day elimination diet that has come across my plate. And that actually made me very happy. I was like, good. Your intuition told you like this might not be right. So let's seek out extra help to figure out what really is causing my GI issues. What And when is there anything that's kind of universal for, for runners or for people that you find causes GI issues or maybe some of these things that people are like trying to figure out is, is it come down to hydration? Does it come down to salt intake? Does it come mm-hmm. like what's causing this stuff for people? Mm-hmm. I think GI issues on a run, a lot of times is going to be hydration. It's going to be lack of sodium and you're a heavy, salty sweater. We've talked a ton about that. If you want to listen, it's on our hydration podcast from episode one. Um, and obviously what we've eaten before, what we're doing during, you know, there's there's tons of common stuff that we can, you know, tackle from that standpoint. But I think a lot of the reason people are turning to some of these food sensitivity tests is this like vague feeling of bloating and uncomfortableness and my pants don't fit and I look six months pregnant. And so, you know, when we really look at the symptom of like bloating, you know, there's a ton of stuff that people are doing that they don't realize they're doing that is so much easier to nip in the butt, literally, then, you know, what's what's some causes of what's some causes of bloating. So there's two things that are being added to a lot of like high protein foods and protein shakes and protein drinks and it's sugar alcohols and fermentable soluble fibers. So those two things in almost everyone, if they're taking in too much, is going to cause excessive bloating and gas production, which for some people moves on through them. And for some people makes them look like they're pregnant because that gas just stays put in our GI tract. So like anything that ends with an ITOL, like ITOL, sorbitol, erythritol, all of those are sugar alcohols. So look on your label for those. Look on your labels for things like inulin and chicory root or look at the fiber content. And if it's through the freaking roof, they've added something to it and kick it out, right? Like Quest bars, things like that. Did are you say chicory? Fibers. Chicory root, yep. Isn't that I think like they make wood? coffee out of that in the day. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought that was like yeah. a wood or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. And we're eating it because yeah. it's high. A little sawdust. Fiber. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. 
<laughs> yeah. So those fibers and those sugar alcohols is one of the first things that I see because they're putting them in so many diet products right now that people are eating and protein bars and it's in gum. So it's in chewing gum. So I've had a ton of people come to me who chew gum when they run. Um, but so there's sugar alcohols in gum and then we're swallowing air when we're chewing gum. So then we end up having GI issues when we're running, you know, so easy, simple, get rid of the gum. Um, I see that a lot as well. And then for females, it's hormones. So hormone fluctuations is going to cause more bloating. So it's understanding when that might happen. And instead of blaming every food on the face of the planet, being like, it's just going to feel this way no matter what I eat for two days, and then it's going to be fine, you know, and just kind of understanding like some of these causes and whether we do need to look at food or whether this is just is what it is. Um, and that it's a normal fact of life, right? Like we're all going to get bloated at some point. That's just normal product of digestion. Um, it's just like, how, is that more than your normal and more than you can tolerate? So if someone thinks they might have an intolerance or I guess you would know pretty quick if you had an allergy, but a food that mm -hmm. just doesn't sit well with them. I mean, you can pretty much do a quote unquote elimination yeah. diet on your own and just figure out if by removing this makes you feel better. I was going to say, I think that's how people figure out they're lactose intolerant. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. I get bloaty and gassy and my stomach hurts when I drink milk. I'll stop drinking milk. Wow, I feel fine. Oh, I had some ice cream. Again, I'm bloating up. Yep. So yep. I, it seems like it's you don't need a test necessarily to always figure these things out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's what, with a lot of people that have GI issues on runs and stuff, we figure out like what foods bother you and we cut them out before big runs. You know, it's not like you can't ever eat your, I was talking to somebody yesterday, it was like a Brussels sprout, cabbage, cauliflower mix. And I'm like, all right, you had that, right? You had that in your salad every day this week and you were fine last week with no GI issues and you've had them every day this week. Look what's different. You used spring mix lettuce last week and look what you used this week. Let's cut it out when we're training at high volumes, put it back in after marathon training's over, you know? So th simple things like that. Not that you can never eat that again or that... You know, your body hates it. It's just right now in this type of training, like it's not working for your goals. So we cut it out. I didn't realize how much dairy I was eating before runs and stuff like that. Not that I have mm. issues, but after, you know, spending so much time with you, uh, I start to go, okay, uh, if I'm going to have maybe a bagel before I go out, I'm light on the butter. I'm light on cream cheese. I'm light on... Uh, slices of cheese if it's an egg sandwich I'll just do the egg and I don't have any issues but uh, like I just kind of like okay if you're gonna run what's the best stuff to have in your stomach mm -hmm. before you go for a run probably not Brussels sprouts and cabbage <laughs> but that's just me yeah I think too a lot of times when someone is under fueling or they have like a clinical diagnosis of relative energy deficiency red s um, they have a ton of GI issues like when we see males and females under fueling and exercising too much the gi issues are just rampant so my concern is like they're going to get their hands on something like this without seeking a professional and further under fuel things you know that's probably a very small piece of the population but that's you know are you talking an eating disorder yeah but sometimes people can have a diagnosis of energy deficiency like that red s without like intentional eating whether it's intentional or not, that was not the right word. But you know what I mean? Without a true diagnosis of an eating disorder, it's more of a not understanding what their body truly needs, um, you know, more so than a psychological disorder that's leading to under eating or manifesting itself as under eating. Yeah. When I see the Everly Well thing and I see it eliminating things, 
that's where I see it maybe possibly being dangerous information just because you think, okay, mm-hmm. if someone's already limiting what they're going to put in their mouth and then you give them a list of stuff that they can cross off the list. I mean, mm-hmm. you, people right. need to fuel, people need to have energy for yeah. their runs and stuff like that. Are you setting them up right. to, to being another control situation of their diet mm-hmm. that's going to put them in a, like, I know we spend time talking about nutrition and I think a lot of times we're talking about ways in which to fuel yourself, not which ways to limit yourself. But I, I do think that things like this help perpetuate like this anxiety towards food. Mm-hmm. And that there's foods we shouldn't be eating and that's bad for me. And that's just, I, I think that's just a very negative spin to take on food, right? I feel like this with pretty much all of the tests and apps out there, like, we get all this data, but unless you truly understand it, like chances are you're not going to use it accurately. Like even mm-hmm. Inside Tracker is a sponsor of the show. I freaking love Inside Tracker. I love understanding like we work together to get my iron levels up and that's had a huge impact on my running. But even they will flag stuff that maybe doesn't necessarily need to be flagged for someone like me who's focused on their performance and running. And so mm-hmm. I go to you and you explain to me, hey, we don't need to worry about this, like move on to something else. Whereas if you don't have a professional or someone to talk to, you get all this data and it can be overwhelming and it can be confusing and you could use it wrong. And so I just feel like these tests need to come with a Megan Featherston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, you do have to take a step back and take a look at the whole picture. You know, like maybe one thing is a little funky, but wait, this measures it too and this is more accurate and that was fine. So forget about that. You know what I mean? Like to our earlier conversation, Meg. Yeah. But I just, it's way too much information for a lot of people. And I think if you're sitting out there and you're sitting on information that feels like too much, find somebody to help you with it. Find somebody that's unbiased opinion to look at it from the outside, to look at you, look at your goals, you know, and really help you what figure about your out position? Like, how does that relate to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. You could go to your physician. Yeah. Just like dietitians vary in how good they are, right? You know, physicians vary in how good they are. You're going to yeah. find ones that mesh well with you and you're going to find ones who don't. So I have a phenomenal primary care physician and I could go to talk to her about anything, but I have a lot of people who come to me who say their primary care, you know, providers don't listen to their concerns. So it's like, you've got to find our, our support group that we need to really help us understand this all and, and figure it out. Yeah. Speaking of Featherston, like I will take any supplement that she recommends without question. <laughs> she could be like, here, take this rat poison. It'll help you run faster. All right. One a day. Mental note. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's um, wrap up this episode real quick. We, I mean, we kind of, we kind of did already, but Megan, like what's, what's the key takeaway here about allergies and intolerances and sensitivity? So if you have a true food allergy, very serious condition, let's get it checked out, right? Um, but I think it's important to know that food sensitivities are very, very different. And while they measure both in food allergy and a food sensitivity are measuring immunoglobins, right? We know that the two of them are very, very different. And the one for the allergy is much more accurate than the one that they're measuring for food sensitivities. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, 
personally, I would not recommend spending your well-earned money on one of these tests because as we have said in five different directions today, you know your body best and you know what you tolerate. You know what you don't tolerate. If there's something that you don't feel good when you're eating, take it out, right? Do your own quote unquote elimination diet. Don't eat it for a few days and see how you feel versus having this laundry list of foods that do these work for me? Do they not work for me? It just adds in the confusion. All right. So that does it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Quick reminder, if you have not RSVP'd for the Boston Bagel Run, go do it. Do it. It's April 17th, the day before the marathon. We can't wait to see you all there and eat some bagels and go for a shakeout run. Wait, it might be more fun than the actual race. I'm just going to throw that out there. I guarantee it. It'll be be shorter, too. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Way more fun. Mm. (laughs) All right. Peas and carrots, Meg. See ya. (laughs) Bye. At least you didn't say that murderer's bread. (laughs) Is he a murderer? Dave's killer bread. (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Is he a murderer? (laughs) (laughs) I I know he sold his company. I didn't know why. He could have murdered somebody and need... (laughs) He's in jail. Need, uh, yeah. He's a killer. <laughs> Legal defense. I always forget that there's a child in the room and we can't actually uh-huh. have adult conversations all too. the time. I do too. I okay. Do too. Tell um, us about tell us about your nut allergy. Meg's cutting out grape leaves, which she ate oysters she? and grape leaves that she uh, yeah. had an addiction to. <laughs> Her favorite foods. <laughs> yeah. She just ate them. I'd look over and she's like chewing like a cow over there. Grape leaves hanging out of her mouth. Got your grape leaves again, babe. Yeah. I told you that's intolerant. You're intolerant to that. Yeah. <laughs> and that wraps it up. Yeah. Right. On that note, way to wrap that one up, Thomas. All right. Beans and rice.